Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points it to Jesus, who he is and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you for joining me today. Friends, this is the final set of episodes in our first season of the Bible Lab, and I want to deeply thank you guys for listening and supporting us. It has been an absolute joy to record these, and it's been so encouraging to see that you guys are listening and to hear from many of you how you are benefiting. So praise God. And looking forward to more of the same when we come back after the holidays with season two, where we will begin exploring the Old Testament. But our final book for consideration today is the book of Acts. Now, as always, when we begin a book of the Bible, we want to orient ourselves in where we are in history. And so we want to anchor ourselves first and foremost in the death and resurrection of Jesus. This takes place in around AD 33. A few weeks later, we have the event of Pentecost, and that's going to be the topic of today's episode, the coming of the Holy Spirit on the early church. Not long after Pentecost, we hear about the stoning of one of the first deacons, a man named Stephen. And not long after that, we have the conversion of the Apostle Paul. This is all probably the death and resurrection of Jesus, Pentecost, Stephen's martyrdom, Paul's conversion. This all likely takes place within the same 12-month window. As you read through the book of Acts, in the first 12 chapters, Peter is the main character. In his ministry in and around Jerusalem, which probably took anywhere from 5 to 10 years, is the subject of the first 12 chapters. But in chapter 13, the focus shifts and we begin to follow the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul goes on three separate missionary journeys, and they are recorded for us in the book of Acts. And we end the book of Acts with Paul having been arrested in Jerusalem, And after one of the worst sea voyages that you'll ever read about, finally making it to Rome, where he's placed under house arrest and begins to share the gospel with the Jews. So that's a historical timeline. This book is going to cover about 30 years of early church history. So let's get our bearings in the book of Acts. Who wrote it? Well, this is part two of Luke's two-part volume on the history of the church, the beginning of the church and the early expansion of the church. So our author is yet again Luke. And as we read in the first verse, we are yet again reading something that Luke wrote to a man named Theophilus. We talked about that in our first episode from the Gospel of Luke. So if you have some more questions about who Luke is and who Theophilus is, I would encourage you guys to go back and listen to that first episode. When? Well, certainly after the book of Luke was written, but likely still before Paul's death in AD 64. Where? Well, this book takes place all over the ancient Mediterranean world, but we don't know exactly where Luke was when he wrote this, and we don't know where Theophilus was when he read this. Why? Why was this book written? First, to report the continuing spread of belief in Christ to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.1 says, In the first book, O Theophilus, speaking of the Gospel of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And then as you follow this 30-year history, when you come to the very end, Acts 28, 31, the last verse of the book says that Paul was proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So the gospel is going, salvation is going from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. The second reason it's written is to report the astonishing growth of Christianity. It grows in an astonishing fashion, both geographically, from Jerusalem to Rome, the center of the ancient world, and it grows astonishingly when you think about ethnic expansion, because it goes from Jew to the Gentiles, all as a part of God's plan. So let's look at some themes in the book of Acts. The first theme for our consideration to this is Joel's prophecy of the Spirit and the day of Pentecost. 
It would be impossible to overstate the importance of the Holy Spirit in the life of not only early believers, but also me and you as well. So let's read about this event. I'm going to read to you Acts 2, 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. So this would be both Jews and Gentiles who were beginning to follow the path of Judaism. Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. So it's a fantastic story. Jesus had promised them that they were going to receive help and they needed to stay in Jerusalem until they received this help. Now, I don't know what they thought was going to happen, but what did happen is that the Holy Spirit falls on each one of them so that they go out into the crowds on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost, if you'll go back and listen to our episode on uh, the Jewish calendar and the Jewish holy days from our study of the Gospel of John, you'll know that the day of Pentecost was a feast established in the Old Testament to celebrate the beginning of the harvest, but also to celebrate the giving of the law. And it was one of the three holy days where all Jewish men were required to come to Jerusalem. And so the city of Jerusalem would be filled with hundreds of thousands, perhaps even millions of Jews from all around the world. And the disciples go out and filled with the Holy Spirit, begin to speak in languages that they do not know, but that these men in the crowds can hear and understand. So Pentecost is the establishment of the church as the true people of God. What began in seed form in the person of Jesus comes to full bloom in the apostles and in the church in Acts 2 and beyond. Now, Peter makes the claim, as he preaches to the crowd, that these events that they just witnessed are only the beginning of God keeping this promise. Joel chapter 2, 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. But what's interesting is if you read what Peter says to them, Peter substitutes the phrase in the last days in place of the word afterward. So Peter doesn't say, and it shall come to pass afterward. He says, it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What Peter is doing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is he is blending Joel's prediction with Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. Here's what Isaiah 2, 2 says. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. Peter is blending the coming of the Holy Spirit on all of God's people with predictions of the nations coming in to the temple during the end times. So you put all this together, and here's what we could say. The pouring out of the Spirit on the covenant community, signals God's heavenly presence descending on his people and incorporating God's people into one end-time temple. 
So there is now only one way to God. It is through Jesus Christ. It is through being born again by His Spirit. And anyone who has gone through Jesus Christ, anyone who has been born again, they have been incorporated into God's people, which we call the church. This is the true Israel, and this is what Peter was explaining to the crowd. Heaven and earth are collapsing and joining together. And the expectation set forth in Genesis 1 and 2 that heaven and earth would be inseparably joined together is finally coming to fruition. Now, under the old covenant, the Spirit's power enabled prophets, priests, and kings to perform specific duties. But Joel, the prophet, foresaw a time when all within Israel will receive the end-time Spirit and serve as prophets, priests, and kings. Joel chapter 2, where we read about this prediction, is just a small part of a larger expectation that began much earlier in the life of the nation of Israel. The expectation that all of God's people would receive the Spirit actually begins in Numbers chapter 11. Just to set the stage here, in Numbers chapter 11, the people of Israel have gone through the Exodus event. They've passed through the Red Sea. They have gone to Mount Sinai. They've received the Ten Commandments. They have built the tabernacle. They have received the book of Leviticus, ordering their life and their worship and the, and the job of the priests and the sacrifices. They've been at Sinai for one year. And in Numbers chapter 10, they start off marching to the promised land. It should take them two weeks. Now, we know it doesn't take them two weeks. But on their way, as they begin to complain, Moses asks for help. The nation of Israel is millions strong at this point, And Moses says, I can't do this by myself. Numbers 11.11 says this, Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? So God's answer is this, Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there. And I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. Moses obeys. And here's what happens. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue doing it. Now, two men don't go to where Moses is, and they receive the Spirit inside the camp. And even after the people with Moses stopped prophesying, these guys keep prophesying. Joshua, yes, that Joshua, the guy who leads the people into the Promised Land, he is Moses' right-hand man. And he, being jealous for Moses' sake, wants these men to stop prophesying. And here's Moses' answer. Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. You can almost hear Moses sighing and saying, Oh, I wish all of God's people had the spirit. What begins with Moses' wish is turned into a prophecy by Joel as he speaks under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Joel foresaw a day and Peter saw it in person when the Spirit and His gifts are coming down on all people. At Pentecost, the Spirit empowers God's people to testify about the risen Christ to the nations. They're not out there talking to them about football. They're not talking to them about politics. They go out and they preach Christ, Christ crucified, Christ resurrected. The church is becoming the kingdom of priests that God had intended the nation of Israel to be. 
Exodus 19, 6, right before God gives them the Ten Commandments, he reminds the people that if they obey, they will be to God a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. They would be how God got his glory to the nations. God's light would shine on the people of Israel, and that light would draw the nations to worship Yahweh. But they failed. And so this is what Jesus says in Acts 1.8. You, my people, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a virtual repetition of what God said would happen to Israel at Mount Sinai. Moses assembles Israel and he commissions them at Mount Sinai. Jesus assembles his people on a mountain outside of Jerusalem and commissions them. And this is why we need the Spirit. Because the commission that Jesus has given us to preach Christ and Christ crucified to the ends of the earth, to every people group, is impossible from a human perspective. We need the Spirit. And that's the only difference between us and Israel. Do not read the story of Israel and think, oh, those people are the worst. Why can't they get it together? Friends, the only reason that you and I can achieve the mission that Jesus has given us is because we have the Spirit. They did not and they failed, but we have the Spirit. And the Spirit will ensure that Israel's mission to spread the glory of God to the ends of the earth, which was really Adam and Eve's mission, to fill the earth with image bearers, to glorify God. Adam and Eve failed. Israel failed. But Jesus succeeded. And so now his people are going to take news of his accomplishment to the ends of the earth. Israel's mission will be accomplished through the church. And the apostles and God's people will respond in obedience because the Spirit is with us. So from now on, from this moment in history forward until Jesus comes back, the glory of God is on the move, bringing dead sinners to life and incorporating them into his end-time temple. Friends, the next time we come back together, we will see what role the Word of God plays in the expansion of the gospel. But for now, take up and read. God bless. 